0: pop culture and interviews, the best and worst of movies and reviews, the old, the new, the in between, do movies mirror reality, so we'll talk, have fun, Hello, welcome back to the second season of The Curious Audience. I am your host, Luke Ryan, and with me as always is my beautiful wife, Maretta Ryan. Hi. And we are so excited to bring you a second season of The Curious Audience, talking to some amazing people to tell their stories and connecting it back to those movies that we love. And to kick it off this week, wow, we have been dying to see this Movie, theatre production? Show, let's just call it a show Yeah, Disney Plus has dropped the theatre production of Hamilton on July 4th weekend And this is something that we have been earmarked to see when it came to Australia in 2020 But then the Rona happened The The Rona Rona. The Rona And that got cancelled So the news that this was going to be a live show that was then produced by Disney Plus Plus just blew our minds. So today's episode, we are going to be reviewing, talking about the show of Hamilton. And then later after that, Marietta has a special surprise to us.
1: Yes. Um, I am speaking with a brilliant and creative and funny friend of mine, um, Kai Johnston Anderson. Um, oh, man, we go back. I think we have known each other uh, over 10 years, we actually met um, in a, a local theatre production and um, it's just a great interview. We are going to have a ton of fun.
0: It's always interesting to talk to someone from a theatre background to find out what goes on behind the scenes. And
1: Well, you're married to one.
0: <laughs> yes, I've heard many a theatre story, but it, it's good to hear other people's experiences
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other people are in theatre too.
0: So we, before we get to that amazing interview, let's break down... Hamilton for you. Now, if you know nothing about Hamilton, you were in the place I was in two days ago. Uh, the only thing I knew about Hamilton was that it was written by the amazingly talented Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote the music and songs for Moana. If you've got a kid under five, you are very familiar with that. And um, all of everything that I knew about this show was based on an episode of The Graham Norton Show, which I caught was probably a couple of years ago now when he was promoting Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. And on that show, um, Graham Norton, as he always does, gives his guests the opportunity to really shine and show off their talents. So so you're at the right place where I am. Let's have a listen to that clip.
2: Can I poke you with a second? You can do a little tiny bit. I, uh, I could try. Oh, go, yes. on, go on. I have to stand. Can I oh, stand? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't if I'm sitting. Okay. That's That. that. Oh Scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but tag I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains but no polish. I gotta holler just to be heard. With every word I drop, knowledge I'm a diamond in the rough. I shine a piece of coal trying to reach my goal. My power of speech, unimpeachable. Only 19, but my <laughs> mind is older. These New York City streets get cold. I shoulder every burden, every disadvantage. I've learned to manage. I don't have a gun to brandish. I walk these streets famished. The plan is to fan this spark into a flame. But damn, it's getting dark. So let me spell out the name. I am. M to A-L, E-X, A-N, D, E-R, we are meant to be a colony that runs independently. Meanwhile, Britain keeps shitting on us endlessly. Essentially, <laughs> they tax us relentlessly. Then King George turns around and runs a spendthrift, spree. And he ain't ever going to set his descendants free. So there will be a revolution in this century. And to me, he says in parentheses. Don't be shocked when your history book mentions me. I will lay down my life if it sets us free. Eventually, you'll see my descendancy. And I am not throwing away my shot. Yes. It's something like that. Oh. Wow.
0: So, Miranda, what did you know about Hamilton before we actually saw it?
1: Um, Okay, so, like, historically speaking, I knew that he was one of the founding fathers. He's on the American $10 bill. Um, But as for his story, um, I mean, being Canadian, it's not like I'm, you know, well-versed in American history. I I know the basics, but, um, yeah, I didn't didn't know a heck of a lot.
0: So you didn't know what to expect from this theatre production?
1: No, no. I mean, like I'd heard snippets, um, you know, when they were when they were advertising. So I knew that it was um, about a guy who had been uh, born in the Caribbean, I believe, and um, sent to America to kind of you know make his mark and get an education. And he somehow rose through the ranks to be one of America's founding fathers. But like, you know, details? Oh no, I had no
0: idea. So we watched this. Production on Disney Plus over the weekend We watched um, the first Half on our own and then we had The intermission and then the second half we had With our little three year old uh, Doing some colouring while we were watching It and the music Was so intoxicating that He started singing it himself Especially like the ballad songs Mm. You could see him trying to kind of Mime and mimic the um, Long notes and he was using His hands to kind of clap on his knees So I found that you know, the music for us was just intoxicating and amazing. But then the fact that a little three-year-old who had no idea what was going on in the story could get caught up in what was going on was pretty amazing as well.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, regardless of your your age, the music was just electrifying. It was it was really exciting, and um, you know, y- you you felt an energy by watching it. Um, and actually, just as a silly little side note, um, during his bath. That night, our little three-year-old attempted to sing, um, my shot. (laughs) It took a minute for us to figure out what, what exactly he was singing, but yeah, it came the only, the only clear part of it, I think was my shot. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So we just watched the full two and a half, uh, two and a half, two hours and 40 minutes of Hamilton. What did you think, Merida?
1: Um, well, one of the things that I mentioned to you after we saw it was that I, I couldn't fault it. You know, it was the first kind of perfect musical that I'd ever seen. But, um, ha- since having had that conversation, um, I've actually come up with one thing that could have made it better for me. Okay. And that was to see it live. Oh yes, That is literally the only thing that I would have changed about that experience is actually being in the audience and, and experiencing, um, the live music, uh, as it happened. Now, don't mm. get me wrong. And Disney Plus, um, I am so grateful because, um, you know, I don't think even if they came to Australia, I'm not even 100% sure we would have been capable of going um, and seeing the show. So I'm incredibly grateful to Disney Plus that they've, um, they've put, the original cast version on mm-hmm. um, on their platform, but yeah, oh, that's the one thing that could have made it better. <laughs> How
0: that's about what's you? so amazing about this. Like the the production that we saw on Disney Plus was filmed in 2016, just when the original Hamilton class uh, cast was about to start breaking up, and they were going to replace various roles and things like that. So this was the first, the very original cast that performed it for so long. On uh, Broadway in New York, I I am so glad that they decided to do this because with theatre shows, usually they are live. They are in the theatre, and that's where they stay. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're ever going to come to the big screen, you might get a movie version on them of them, like Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis and things like that. But it's very uh, rare to get one of these theatre shows actually filmed, and and get those different camera angles but still have the theater presence of it. You know, I've seen um, Les Mis, the theater production on um, movies like they filmed that, but it was just them standing. You didn't have the set pieces moving and the, the dancing and the choreography represented that Hamilton did. And I'm so, I, I'm so glad that they did because there were some moments where unless you were purchasing like those really top-quality Front row seats That you would have missed it Like Mm -hmm. when Lin-Manuel Miranda Playing Alexander Hamilton Sung He was so precise With his facial movements Like his eyes would flicker And it just added So much more to his performance That I'm so glad We got those camera angles And um, when the actor Who was playing George Washington Christopher Jackson Sung his final song you were close enough with the camera that you could see the emotion that the actor was feeling. Mm -hmm. Like the song was so powerful that it even affected him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: I I really hope they do this with more shows. You know, I think wait till the end of the run, film it when it's going fantastic, and then when it's done, when it's off-Broadway, put it up. Like how good would that be to see Lion King, the theatre production of The Lion King or Phantom of the Opera or – like all of these amazing shows, the Book of Mormon. Yeah. That'll just never come back to the theatre again to be able to see that and watch it again and again.
1: That's a definitely an interesting concept. And, you know, because it doesn't happen so often, hopefully the, the popularity that um, that the filmed version of Hamilton brings, mm. um, yeah, starts a, a new revolution. I mean, we don't know what, you know, the post-COVID-19 world is going to look like. So, Maybe they're going to have to do it in smaller venues and that is how they're going to have to um, distribute it to a mass audience.
0: Yeah, and put it on the streaming services so yeah, they we'll still see. get that money.
1: Well, I think it's also um, really important to to realize that there's a certain um, energy that comes with the live performance that you just don't get from something that's been filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are, are tricks and things go wrong Um that just don't necessarily translate um, when you've got that perfection of a film for anybody that's ever seen a live performance. Um, inevitably, there's no such thing as a perfect performance. Inevitably something goes wrong mm. and the capability of, of a skilled cast to pick it up and turn it around um, is almost like magic. Um, there was this one scene in Hamilton where um Somebody was on top of a table and this is something I pointed out to you. Um, someone was on top of a table and they jumped and the person behind them pulled the tablecloth off.
0: Yeah. And that red cloth went off so quickly,
1: but if it was timed a split second differently, there would have been a huge accident when the, when Mm -hmm. he landed, right? Like if it was, if it was pulled too quickly, his legs went out. Mm. If it was, um, pulled too slow, his legs would have gone out. It would have been a massive accident and somebody would have probably been extremely hurt. So there's that that level of energy that you get from um, certain aspects of, of uh, dangerous activity when it comes to theatre.
0: Yeah. I think, I think with this filming, though, they really did capture the difference between live and a, uh, a movie reproduction because uh, there's a song about halfway through about one of the characters, Lafayette, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a um, call and echo song where they repeat his song several times. And if you compare the audio that we saw in the Disney Plus special versus the the album, the cast album, the one we saw is a lot more raw. Like Mm -hmm. you get that live action because they're probably a little bit out of breath or they're moving at the same time versus the cast album where they're in the studio. Definitely. So we get that. And, I mean, if you're not a theatre person, I would really recommend you see Hamilton because, you know, You talk about musicals and things like that and people roll their eyes and think, oh, you know, I don't need people singing lines when they could speak them. But the diversity in music in Hamilton is so refreshing. You know, we have rap, we have hip-hop, we have pop, we have reggae. They did reggae at one point. And the music is so detailed and intrinsic that you constantly have this deja vu effect where you think, did they just sample a Beyonce song? Mm. Did they just sample Bob Marley? Like it, it it has undertone notes that really call back to songs you know. And because it has this variety in genres, you never get sick of it. Like uh, when we first started watching, they did, I think there was maybe two or three kind of hip-hop rap, show, rap uh, songs to start off with. And at that point I'm like, oh, no, like I'm – this is going to be hard to follow if they keep doing this. And I think it was the next song was a pop song. And suddenly I was like, oh, great. Like this is going to be different. I can really pick up what they're putting down.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of variety. Um, and I think what makes Hamilton unique to all the other musicals that I've ever seen has been that it, it's a musical all the way through. Like mm. even even the lines of dialogue that aren't part of an official song are still kind of um, – they're still they're still in verse, and in kind of like a speak sing, um, so it's it's not your standard musical where you'll it'll basically be a play with a, a a musical interlude and then more play musical interlude. It's a theatrical musical performance in its entirety, and it's it's truly incredible.
0: Mm, and and quite an amazing cast, like a very multicultural oh. class cast. And I've got to pick out a few names who were just. So phenomenal Like obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda was Amazing as Alexander Hamilton But then another standout was Leslie Odom Jr. Who played kind of the The um, Ying to the yang Of Lin-Manuel's character And he was just amazing The amount of power and control He had in his voice And uh, the dance routines that he was part of But then the female cast as well There was a I can't pronounce her middle name, so I'm just going to say her first and last name. But it was Jasmine Jones who played one of the, the main female um, actors.
1: She played, played oh, Peggy. I'm sorry. Are you talking? I'm about- getting
0: it really wrong. I meant it's um, Renee Goldsberry. He's the one I meant to talk about. Yeah, she played the oldest of the sisters of the three Skylar. Um, Skyler sisters, and her control was amazing as well.
1: Oh yeah, I it just, was mind oh,
0: blowing. Just, I'm so in awe of people who have that powerful voice, and um, yeah, she was just amazing.
1: And she made it look effortless.
0: Hmm. Who was the standout for you, Merida?
1: Ooh, there's a few. Um, I I'm a little bit happy on um, David Diggs. Mm-hmm. I yeah, um, but. <laughs> Look, if I'm being honest, I love me some Jonathan Groff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was amazing he was as so- King George, and he was so in the moment. Did you see like spit came out of his mouth oh, sometimes, yeah. and like, yeah, and and he didn't blink. <laughs> like King George, he was menacing and almost almost a little bit deranged in his speech, but hilarious at the same time. Oh, for like, sure, so funny
1: yeah absolutely um, uh, Philippa Sue, who ended up playing one of the other um, female leads, so mm. she played Eliza um, yeah, another spectacular voice and um, I, I loved that there were so many powerful female characters, mm-hmm. um, particularly when you know you're you're talking about a a time in history where women were semi second class citizens yeah yeah. So, um, amazing cast. Absolutely. I could not fault it. You know, sometimes when, um, when Luke and I watch a movie or a TV show or whatever, we have a discussion about, you know, ah, uh, if, if you could replace a character, who would, oh. who would you, oh, not a chance. If, if, yeah, if I was to replace any of those characters, it would have significantly dipped in quality.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in the first part, I was thinking who was my favorite voice and I came upon a, an actor. I'm not going to mention who, because... Within the space of 20 minutes That actor was replaced by another one And another one And mm. the different songs showcased The different people at different times But the the whole first act Was a really um Album of contrast We got all the different music genres We got to meet all the characters We had some really serious moments And some some humour And things like that But that second act Wow Like it was just Emotional and powerful and phenomenal Very Especially moving Especially the choreograph I've got to mention the stage And when we were watching this Merida got a bit giggly When they started wheeling around Various stage pieces and things like that But the Hold way on, you,
1: make, you make you make me sound like a weirdo I love it <laughs> a when theatre you- nerd Yes, I'm a theatre nerd Because I love watching large set pieces Get moved around Because it takes such intense coordination and, and, uh, this incredible care to do it properly and in the appropriate time. So I wasn't just giggling because set pieces were being moved <laughs> around. It was more like an appreciation for the, um, the incredible amount of work that actually goes into it.
0: <laughs> but what about the stage, you know, in that center stage, they had one circle and then I think they had either one or two rotating circles that yeah. they would activate at various points. And the, the actor that was singing was either a dead center and they would move people around on these spinning parts or sometimes they were on the spinning part. And I thought, okay, that person's singing, moving and making sure they're staying oriented to the audience while they're spinning around on this thing. And, I mean, the way they used that stage when they had the gun jewels, because, mm. you know, this is the time where when you had an argument with somebody, It was, you know, 10 paces and shoot. We had several of those instances in this theatre production and they would always have one of the dancers holding, almost holding the bullet. Yep. So you could track where the bullet was and it would freeze at different points so the the character could tell you what they were thinking and things like that. And then the dancers that they had uh, moving around that bullet... Was just amazing. It was and mesmerizing, it, it wasn't it? It really was. Yeah, it's something that I had never seen ah. before done, and just captivating.
1: Well, and um, something that I also also should mention in a lot of theater performances. I mean, probably not Broadway because I, I don't know. I've never acted on Broadway, but um, oftentimes, you know, if you've got really specific choreography, like you would in in a musical, because there's dances that occur, um, there would be subtle stage tape it's um, that's, It's that's actually a little X or something yeah to to yeah to mark your um, yeah to mark your spot uh, where you need to land. but with the moving pieces of that stage, you couldn't actually have that. Mm-hmm. you know you had to just be at the right place at the right time
0: so Marith, your favorite theater production up until this film was the Phantom of the Opera. Yes. How does this compare? Oh, my God.
1: See, I I kind of, I kind of, uh, I categorise them differently because we've got, you know, like classical theatre musical, which is Phantom, and then we've got modern um, revolutionary theatre like Hamilton. So I'm not not 100% sure. I think... I'm sorry, I can't answer this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, my one's always been Les Mis, yeah. Um, but I've never seen a really quality professional live show. Yeah, I've I've seen a community production. I've seen a uh, like a professional live one twice, but it didn't. It wasn't really that good. did I, I, I rated the community one better? But that could be because it was the first time I saw it. Okay, you know, so it was new and fresh. This was really amazing. Like I'd put it up there and I'm definitely going to be watching this again. Oh,
1: heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. Going out and purchasing
0: the soundtrack. I think I'll be knowing that off by heart.
1: (laughs) You're going to be, you're going to be rapping to our, to our young son.
0: (laughs) Hey, if I can teach him how to do the one shot, I think I'll be doing pretty good.
1: My shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh my goodness. So, um, just thinking back on the soundtrack. Do you have a, a favorite song or one that stood out to you in particular?
0: I think I'd need to listen to the finale song again. I I got quite taken away by that one. And so I, I'm not sure I heard all the lyrics because I got so swept away with the music and the emotion of the actors on the stage. Um, I definitely want to listen to that one again. And the song that uh, George Washington did as his finale for leaving the presidency was was very powerful, so I'd want to listen to that again. What nice. about you?
1: Oh man, how how much time have we got? <laughs> um, okay, so oh, well, look, I'm I'm my shot is obviously a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so most people, if, if they've even heard of Hamilton, they'll at least know about my shot. Um, so I'm going to put that aside. Um, there's a song that's done by the, it's actually literally called the Skylar sisters. Um, and it's our introduction to the three of them. And it's quite a, uh, a powerful song. Um, cause the, um, The riff is that they're looking for a mind at work when it comes to a man, um, which is nice. Um, I absolutely adore Jonathan Groff. And when he sings, uh, you'll be back. Yeah. Because he's just he's just such a prick. (laughs) The character, the character is just such a prick. And he plays it to perfection.
0: And that rhythm he does, like, I can't do it now, but it was like a la 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 sort of rhythm, but it was more obnoxious and British. Oh, for sure. And it was, it was really interesting.
1: Yeah, it was, it was done so brilliantly. Mm. Um, I absolutely adored What Did I Miss? Mm-hmm. Um, that's David Diggs when he plays Lafayette. Yep, that was good. Um, he does a great accent, and I don't know what it is about men with accents, but, anyways, maybe it's just David Diggs. Uh-
0: <laughs> and we've got to say those characters I mean, David Diggs, Anthony Ramos. Um, oh, I love him too. And some of the girls are, who I cannot pronounce their names, but they played multiple <laughs> characters. Yes. Like, we had them play one character in the first act and then a second character and the way the costumes were done and the hair and things like that like i don't think maria picked up on one of them until a couple of moments after that person appeared And she's which like which one maria um anthony ramos who played i, um, I
1: knew who it was instantly
0: oh, oh no stop it, was, it. it was the one who played um peggy skylar
1: yes yes that that yes. one i was surprised at anthony ramos you kidding he's a beautiful man of course i noticed
0: him <laughs> his hair different it was it was flowing
1: yeah but his face was still there (laughs) Uh, anyways um but then there was also these brilliant rap battles Mm -hmm. um that were just like mind-blowing and so clever and then yeah the last song i basically liked the entire thing there isn't a song that i can actually refer to and go "Eh." (laughs) yeah
0: yep well i think Judging from our comments, you know that we loved Hamilton and we would recommend that to you. So it is now available on Disney+, and I would recommend definitely checking that out and having a listen to the soundtrack too, which I will be doing from now until eternity.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, that sounds great.
0: Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. Mereda will be having an interview with um, Kai, talking all things theater, production, and design. So stay tuned. I'm always in a rush when I leave for the morning and I often skip breakfast, but now I don't have to. Using the FNX protein powder, I can make myself a really delicious smoothie and I've got a good recipe to share with you today. Use the chocolate brownie protein powder, delicious chocolate brownie. Add a cup of almond milk, a spoonful of natural peanut butter, half a teaspoon of cinnamon, and a little bit of quick oats to fill you up. Blend it all together and you have this really delicious filling smoothie that you can eat on your way to work. And just for the curious audience, listeners today, use the discount code CURIOUS15 to receive 15% off your first order from fnxfit.com. That's Curious15 to receive 15% off your first order. Now back to the show.
1: Hey, Kai, thanks for joining me.
3: It's a pleasure, Moretta. It's been too long.
1: Oh well, my five gosh! Years,
3: five or six years since we went rock climbing. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that a... time we caught up again. Wow! Oh
1: my god! It really has, hasn't it? Jesus, 2020, and look at us.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, what a year to be catching up! It's time we really check back in.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what better way to do it over than over Skype, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's the new way.
1: Absolutely, it's the new, it's the new social distancing. Yep. So you and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, do you remember when we first met?
3: Yeah, I reckon it would have been 2009, probably. And I, I just dropped in at this theater and was grabbed as the ASM for, what was it, Jake's Women or something like that. That's it. And yeah, I, I just wandered in and hoped for the best. And I couldn't have asked for better people to meet.
1: Definitely. It was a really awesome cast. Um, I remember meeting you on the first day and I think, uh, this was the very, literally the very first time it was just a, a a table read. And I think we talked for like all of 60 seconds before in my head, I went cool. This guy and I are going to be friends.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, Look, I, I make a big first impression. I'm not convinced I always last very long, but <laughs> hell, this is one of those situations where it's worked out. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's glad. it.
1: <laughs> um, so you've done a lot of work in the, uh, the theatre industry. Can you tell us a bit about what you did?
3: Well, look, I I started performing when I was about five years old, I'd say, and I, I just had a bug if the spotlight's not on me, then it's not the right day. (laughs) (laughs) I love being on the stage in some way. Um, It's karaoke when I can't do anything else. But, Uh (laughs) um, look, I obviously did the um, stage managing, all sorts of backstage roles at community theatre. That's where we met. Yep. Um, A few performances. There was um, Cloud Street. I got to to play the – the, well, essentially the lead, Fish Lamb in Cloud Street at the same theatre. Um,
1: and that's like a quintessential
3: Aussie oh, play, right? Yeah. it It's surprising. It I wouldn't say everyone knows it, but if you know it, it's a really important piece. It's very, iconically Australian and it was a real privilege to get that role. I believe I, it. It was one of very few roles that i've actually had on stage so that was really lucky for me um did a few little um, extra roles on tv um love child had a little role in that really Um, yeah oh well (laughs) it was just a featured extra role they needed a transsexual to walk past in the background and somebody went I think Kai would probably be really good for this (laughs) Put me forward for the role and yeah so I had which was a really interesting experience in itself Uh, it it was supposed to be a really sunny summer scene but it was drizzling rain in King's Cross that day and all the other extras were just getting drenched as the day went on but Mm. every time that I moved out of camera. There'd be, you know, a a stagehand running over with an umbrella, and people walking me back to my spot because I was pivotal to the story. Just a five-second walk past, and I had to kind of glare a little bit at one of the people who was having a conversation. But just having that uh, storyline meant that I was yet treated quite differently to all the other extras. I felt very strange.
1: Yeah, Um, quite the the, royal treatment.
3: Yeah, it it was quite odd. But (laughs) a little bit of paid TV work is a nice thing from time to time.
1: Hey, nothing like padding your resume?
3: Yes, yes. Uh, I was recommended for that because I also do my own drag performing. So drag queen by the name of Lucy Fur. And we're definitely going to
1: dig into that a little bit later.
3: We'll we'll dig into that a bit more (laughs) later on. But yes, uh, I mean, I just, I need to be on the stage. So I find ways to get out and perform, to host events. And that's really important to me. But I mean, as you say, we met through my backstage work and uh, I've been a designer, A costume maker, a lighting guy. I've loaded trucks. I worked a little bit. Well, I say a little bit. Actually, I worked for about six months uh, full time on the Lion King in 2013. So you know, I'm just going to you know drop in. Absolutely, Disney. There's nothing special. It was just. Part of my work experience during my TAFE course, so you know, nice. why is that important? Yeah, um, name dropping is just a bit of fun there. Absolutely, um, and also King Kong the musical was the one that actually got me the Disney gig. <sighs> I, I got to be um, again just sewing costumes and real grunt work. But you know, when it's when it's Broadway grunt work. You don't mind sewing sewing press studs and Velcro for a couple of weeks because it's Broadway Velcro, Broadway <laughs> press studs, and it feels a bit special.
1: So did you work on – which costumes did you work on that we would be familiar with? Like what characters wore your costumes? Um,
3: well, when it came to The Lion King is the one people will know, and I was – I called myself a hyena wrangler. Uh, <laughs> it was There was a dedicated team of three people for six months making – the the hyena costumes, and I was one of those people. We we made, I think there were only 10 characters, but we made 30 costumes, and it's a big job when you're doing a play of that magnitude. You have redundancy after redundancy, and so, oh, actually the same, uh, no, not the same year. Here I go. I'm going to be making mistakes all the time. I can't remember my own history, (laughs) but... Uh, when I moved from Sydney, where I worked on The Lion King, down to Melbourne, I got a little bit of work for the Australian Ballet. Uh, they were doing their new production of Sleeping Beauty at the time. And so I spent a couple of weeks uh, essentially sewing rhinestones and sequins onto tutus. And once again, they were Australian ballet sequence and it feels pretty awesome so that was a a real experience and I'm not gonna lie it feels nice when they say oh the the dress rehearsal is tomorrow at four o'clock so just come by the stage door and you can watch that yeah all right yeah watch the ballet for free why not (laughs) there are perks oh heck yeah that was a lot of fun I really enjoyed that um when I worked on Sleeping Beauty they were doing a behind the scenes documentary on the new design the new costumes it was a completely new production they do one every four years so I got to work on one of those and they had run out of giant fake roses for these costumes they were making and they brought one of these roses to me and said can you make more of these I said Yes. Yes, yes, of course I can. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never made a flower before. And they've they've taken me into this back room and said, um, yeah, th- this this looks like it's about the right colour, and handed me a thirty-year-old bolt of raw Japanese silk oh. that was in their storeroom and said, Here, make flowers out of this. Oh God. And I was shaking. <laughs> I don't want to mess this up. I don't yeah. want to waste this irretrievable fabric. And everyone's saying, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just one of the things from the storeroom, don't worry. But then I'm sitting there making these flowers and I have no idea what her name was, this Russian designer who had created this new production has come by with a camera crew and started asking me what I was doing as they're making this documentary. I've been here for a week and (laughs) they've asked me to make these flowers and I'm trying not to sit there saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you kind of think that on these big productions, it's all going to be super sleek and professional and everyone's done these things before and they've got it in the bag We're flying by the seat of our pants, exactly like the $2,000 production of Jake's Women that you and I did (laughs) (laughs) at the Pavilion Theatre. You know, that that thing was fly by the seat of your pants. And so is the Australian ballet. They just don't want to admit it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you'd never know it to sit in the audience and look. But behind the scenes, it's a little bit chaotic.
3: It's a real grab bag of whatever we can cobble together for a lot of it. I mean, they've got a pretty good idea of what they're trying to do, but everyone is just hoping for the
1: best. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? You bring up something really interesting because um – There's this, there's this rule in any type of show business, whether it's, you know, amateur up to professional, that if somebody in a position of power asks, if you have a particular skill, like, you know, oh, can you, can you make a rose out of this random silk? Can you speak German? Can you ride a horse? You say yes. yes, And then
3: you figure it out later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Because... If you say no, they'll find somebody else who will say yes.
1: Absolutely. And they'll get
3: the money. Yep. So, no, you you absolutely say yes.
1: It's <laughs> Oh, goodness. So you've, been, you've worked backstage and you've worked on stage. Um, so you must have at some point um, been witness to some bizarre events. Um, so does it usually go out of plan or is it a disaster? Tell us some stories. What's What's happened to you?
3: Oh, look, it's a little bit of everything, every time. Uh, Actually, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to think of any wild stories, but you didn't get to see my onstage performance in Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, another little community theatre show, and I didn't know anything about it and Two weeks before opening night, they lost their detective. He moved into state, they held a new audition, and I was cast. And it was a wild dash to the finish line, get your words down, get your book down, get your blocking, and get this show on stage because the tickets had been sold. We wanted to do the show. And it all went fine. It was was at the same time that I was doing my costume-making degree and so I was rushing between TAFE classes and rehearsals and getting on stage, and we had a really successful two-week run, and I made history on closing night because at that theatre they had never stopped a show partway through. They never had to do it until I got food poisoning, (gasps) and I – like we had two shows on that day. We did the matinee, it was fine. We all had dinner together. We we're all excited. Final show of the entire run, the Saturday night show. Oh, no. And during the interval, we'd made it through act one. And in the interval, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure I feel too well, but I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And in the middle of a great big argument on stage between myself and a few other characters, I have quite suddenly gone, thought, just thought to myself, I am not going to make it through this scene. Oh. And I looked to the stage door to run out the back to the bathroom or there was a fireplace on stage. And I'm thinking, where do I want to throw up? <laughs> I don't want the crew to hate me. I'm not throwing up right here. I've just clapped my hand over my mouth and run as fast as I could off the stage. And I could hear that the other actors didn't know what had happened. They just knew I was gone and they were trying to carry on the scene without me, which you can only do that for a certain amount of time (laughs) (laughs) before eventually the stage manager just walked out on stage and said, I do apologise, ladies and gentlemen, Sergeant Trotter has been taken violently ill and I'm told that I hit that cue like every other one in the show because as she said it, they heard from backstage (gasps) through three doors, me... (laughs) throwing up the entire day's meal everything i'd eaten and we took a 10 minute break i found some listerine backstage and we went on we finished the show but i mean when it goes wrong it goes wrong and you just have to hold it together the best you can so wow (laughs) yeah
1: That's rough, man.
3: History of the Pimple players because (laughs) they've never had to stop a show before. Oh man. I haven't performed there again. I'm not gonna say that's why. (laughs) You never know.
1: Oh no. Oh Jesus. (laughs) Well I've I've never been I've never been um been that violently ill, but in college, um I was I was doing some behind the scenes stuff, just some stagehand stuff, um, for their production of Mother Courage. And there was this one scene where Um, uh, one of the other stage hands and I, we had to go underneath the stage and using a crank, we had to like a kind of a crank pulley system. We had to raise a flag pole with, with the flag attached, um, up through the stage floor. And I can't even remember what, what number performance this was, but we were cranking it up and all of a sudden the crank breaks. And the, and the the flag slams through the door and crashes like metal pole mm. on concrete. And you hear it throughout the entire theater. And we hear everybody going, oh, because the flag was up and then it was down. And then out of desperation, this girl and I, we manually fed it through, fed it through the hole. But we weren't stable at all because we were holding on to the bottom bit. The flag is top oh, heavy. No. So this stupid ass flag is just
3: flying back, waving and forth. back and yeah. forth. And oh.
1: and this is not a uh, this is not a humorous scene, but we could hear the audience
3: oh. laughing and we're just like,
1: Oh my god, we're gonna get fired. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> I mean, oh. you see it in shows, it's a to me, my favorite moments of theatre are the ones that go wrong because mm-hmm. when everything's smooth, you've still got that bit of a rush from being in the show and you've got the audience there and you have to make it work but when something goes wrong the adrenaline is just a fantastic thing it's why i love live theater over film or television oh it's it's that exciting thing i've seen big productions just when i was in the audience mary poppins they're sliding up the banister they stopped halfway up and they all had to jump off the bannister and run up the stairs because <laughs> the, the mechanism broke down. Oh. And I was just imagining what those people were going through backstage and I was feeling that thrill with them. And I love that. Oh. I love that about the theatre. Um, yeah, it's it's electric. Actually, I, I mentioned before that I, I do my drag performing and a lot of that is emceeing events and hosting things. So for... I mean, just to drop in another skill, for the pole dancing school that I go to. Oh, uh, You're just racking up your resume, again. man. I know. I've got a little bit of everything to me. <laughs> and it's wonderful. Um, the, they have a uh, – the pole room has a competition they run every year called Shine. And it was the very first year that they, they ran it in this great big theatre that – about 350 people I think in the audience and we'd had a great night and then it came to we need to announce all the winners for the different categories and I've said right it's time to announce the winners and I'm just seeing these people in the wings waving their arms while they're going no no kill time kill time oh, no. I've just done three hours of killing time and they weren't ready for me. So <sighs> I've padded things out. I've called people out for photos and killed the time. And then they, they brought out uh, the envelopes and said, okay, so here we are announced the, the winners for the first category. And I said, and the runner-up is X person, so whoever it was, and there's someone in the wings going, no, no. They'd written down the names backwards. Oh so my God. I've announced God. the winner as the runner up. <gasps> oh, it's like and the Oscars. Say, I'm <laughs> so sorry. That's not correct. That's not you, Jake. Oh. Stay here with me. It was Jenny. Stay here with me, Jenny. And I announced the runner up, and that person was actually the winner. So she got to step up, which is.
0: Oh. And
3: we, we covered and we went, oh, we had our Miss World moment. Oh dear. <laughs> and, and then went on to the next category. And they'd done the same thing again. Oh, my God. And written them backwards. And these, this comedy of errors as I'm there trying to cover and not make people look like a fool and going, I'm going to be the one that everybody thinks Oh, yeah. Because <sighs> there I am speaking to the crowd. And, yeah. Damn it. it. Those are heartbreaking moments. But they did ask me back to... MC again so you know it wasn't the end of the world
1: <laughs> nice <laughs> well look since since you brought up lucifer again let's dig a little bit more into this so <laughs> yeah. so yeah tell tell us about who lucifer is and how she came into existence
3: well uh, lucifer lucifer is me in a lot of ways she is a big part of my own character and identity as a person, and it was through my performing in drag and experimenting with different gender presentations that I came to realize myself as a gender non-binary person, and realized that I'm I'm using using the drag performing and the possibilities that it gives me to express my own identity in all these different ways. So, I mean, Lucyfer is a little bit bolder, a little bit more bawdy than I, than I am usually. I'm more likely to make fun of people around me and give people a hard time <laughs> when I'm being Lucy, but, that's mostly because it's what people expect from a drag queen. So I do live up to the shtick to some <laughs> extent. But Lucy Lucifer is a perfect opportunity for me to step out on stage, be inappropriate, be silly, and just let loose nice in the ways that I I can't because I mean I work in a supermarket when I'm not doing theater stuff and I've got to be just a little bit careful just Mm. a little bit careful and so it's nice to have that opportunity to just forget about expectations and just just laugh at myself and that's a really important thing a lot of a lot of performers, drag queens in particular, but a lot of performers take themselves too seriously, in my opinion. I will often say that it's not, not a lucifer show until something has gone wrong. <laughs> I My first ever performance in Melbourne, I hit my last big note in a lip sync of um, a song from a chorus line. Um, Tits and abs. <laughs> it's, it's a great song that, the name escapes me. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I've I've just done this performance where the whole audience has seen my tits, and I've been making fun of myself. And I hit my final pose and stepped on somebody else's rhinestone, and so my foot just kept going, and I went smack down <gasps> oh, onto my ass. No, I was flat on the stage, and it was a matter of spin, sit up, tits out. <laughs> Recover. Try to make it look intentional and hope for the best. Recover, recover, recover. And it's it's what happens all the time. And that's my favorite thing is just being able to pretend it was all intentional. And if it wasn't, it doesn't matter anyway. Are you having a good time? I'm having a good time. Excellent. Just stop taking it so seriously. That's the thing about theater and drag and live performance. Things are going to go wrong.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's just
3: take the journey together, see where it goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let loose, what the heck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how did you come up with the name Lucifer?
3: Well, I've always been a big believer in the Australian tradition of drag names having a pun in them. You know, (laughs) Courtney Act, very famously, um, uh, queens like that. For a while, my first drag name, which only lasts a couple of months, was Phyllis Upgood. (laughs) And people said that I just sounded too much like an old woman.
1: Fair enough. Okay.
3: And I went, well, okay, all right, I'll, I'll work with that. And, I mean, I talk about I wanted to be irreverent and funny. I make fun of myself more than anything else. And so it just made sense to me to have a name that, wasn't too serious so i i can introduce myself as miss lucy whenever whenever i want and i'm surprised by the number of people close friends who have seen me before multiple times who talk to me about oh i want to see lucy lucy's this lucy's that and after three four years go oh my god lucifer (laughs) lucifer i never (laughs) noticed seriously People take years to pick up on the joke. Um. And even that I enjoy. It's this, yep, I've I've fooled another one they didn't <laughs> realize. And I mean to be honest, there's always been something a bit a little bit devilish about me, if I will. It's it's <laughs> very cheesy and cliche, but I'm I want to be just a bit naughty. And so, yeah, it's a bit funny that Phyllis up good. I was told I was too much of an old lady with Phyllis. It, it's a good name. I can see you <laughs> laughing. It's so much fun. Yeah, now, it's so, it is um, really good. My my signature performance is actually an old lady routine. Oh. I've got these, these thigh-high black shiny leather boots and this – I wear a leopard print dress with a really conservative jacket over it and the big eyeglasses and grey hair in a bun. I've got a walking frame. <laughs> and I get out there and people are like, what the hell is going on? And the song is actually, it's a comedy song called Dogging and it's all about having sex in cars. Oh. And so this is this old lady, Lucy Furr, <laughs> out there pretending to have sex on her walking frame.
1: Fantastic. And,
3: and that is kind of the essence of Lucifer it's a bit di- a bit dirty a bit rude all comedy and it doesn't have to be glamorous it just has to be fun heck yeah and that's that's the essence of performing for me i don't need it to be perfect i need people to meet me in the space that i'm creating which is Let's have a laugh. There's not enough just fun, there aren't enough fun moments. So, I want to give some to the people that are around me.
1: Yeah, your show is a bit of love, a little bit of levity. <laughs> well, actually, probably a lot of levity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you've had a, a heck of a personal career when it comes to um, the performing arts, you know, on stage, off stage. Uh, you know, super amateur stuff like what we did to really incredible Broadway professional um, pieces. Looking back, is there one experience that stands out more than the others?
0: Oh,
3: oh, that's such a big question. <laughs> uh, and to, to be put on the spot, I, I fall on two Two experiences. One is The Lion King because no matter how much I say I I love all these varied experiences, there is just a special thing about being able to say, I did that.
0: Mm.
3: I did that. That was a professional, full-time, I was hired because somebody knew I was good and they brought me in to work for Disney (laughs) on a show that very few people get to work on so that was wild and exciting and once again i got to go and watch the dress rehearsal i got to i got a couple free tickets took a few friends and we went and saw the show so that's special and the other one happened this year it was a cabaret show there were what was it he six performers i think six or eight performers. Um, we had a little venue booked here in Melbourne and it was an anti-Valentine's Day show, the <laughs> night before Valentine's. And it was burlesque and drag. And I looked around the host. She had worked on, at the Commonwealth Games. These were all national and international, well-known performers. And I happened to to meet the person organizing it and kitty took a chance on me she looked at a couple of videos and everyone did two performances through the night and i did my in fact the old lady performance i was just talking about and i performed a spoken word poem that i wrote a comedic ballad called content warning sex toys <laughs> and it's it's a wild ride i tell you that no nice. and I did these things and I got to the end of the night and I looked back and I went, I stood on that stage in, well, my underwear and a red fishnet body stocking <laughs> and I held my own against these, as I see the world-class performers. These are big-name performers who can draw big money in Melbourne and I genuinely felt like I... Actually measured up in that situation, so that was the other one that really, really meant something to me, because I wasn't hired because somebody knew me; I was hired on my talents, and I really felt like I brought my A game. So, yeah, there's your, there's your two. Those That's those awesome. things that Ooh. really I got goosebumps. Really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man Kai making um talking to you just makes me reminiscent of my my theater days I haven't done it for a while so I'm, I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk um
3: yes, me too
1: <laughs> Kai Lucy thank you so much for talking to me today I really really I miss you
3: <laughs> oh, I miss you too Maretta just hearing your voice is bringing back memories thank I you know. so much oh thank you <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to The Curious Audience. I'm Maretta Ryan. I'm still Luke Ryan adjacent. And we'll see you next week.